Hello and welcome to Galactica Actually. I am Jamie Smith and joining me is my co-host. Hey, Diallo Jackson. Hello. How are you? I'm doing okay. I am uh, doing okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we are... Um, we're post-Christmas, heading into New Year's. Our brains are scrambled. We're going to do our best today. Yeah, I heard I heard someone mention uh, like this time of year between Christmas and New Year's Day is like a no man's land. It, like the time doesn't exist. And uh, yeah, it's kind of how yeah. I'm feeling. I don't even know what day it is, barely. And yeah. Yeah, same especially because this is my first Christmas working from home. So between, you know, like this whole week from the 26th on, I've just been at home and I'm like, wait, what day is today? Uh-huh. What am I doing? Today's Saturday? Okay. Um, And then it's again, a holiday weekend. So <laughs> like my, my reference is all off. I have no idea what's going on. Plus yeah. last weekend was like football every day. Yeah. Yeah. That was wild actually. <laughs> we got to Sunday and I was like, I don't think I can watch any more football. I have it... literally been watching football since Thursday. Like this why does it feel like there's so much? And there were was... there were three games on Monday. Yeah. Which is insane. I know. I didn't watch any of them on Monday. I was like, I'm done. I can't. I just can't. It was insane. Um, <laughs> I love, so, fo- I mean, I love football and I was same. like, this is too much. But yeah, I got to a point where I was like, I usually watch Red Zone for the majority of Sunday and we only had that on Sunday, but there were so many games before it. Yeah. That was just like, my, I, I'm, I just can't with football. I'm, I'm, I'm over it. This morning in the gym, I literally was like, you know what? I actually might quit football after this season. <laughs> I was le- it's I, a legit I thought. I almost feel that way every year around this yeah. time where I'm like, I've got some fatigue going on. Yeah. But... This is a lot of stress. And I'm just like, I don't like having my any part of my emotions tied to something that's completely out of my, like, was... you know. See, my team sucks so bad this year. I just don't even care. It's it's (laughs) It's the Patriots, right? Yeah. 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 They are so, so bad this year. God. Um, So really, it's just been about my fantasy team. And I'm I'm in the playoffs on both my leagues. So at least I have that. But I'm not stressed about it. Whatever. It's just a game. Anyway, we're not here to talk about football. We are here to talk about. We're here to talk about Pyramid. Not Actually. even. No. Not this not this episode. Not this episode. <laughs> um we are here to talk about season three, episode two of the show Battlestar Galactica. An episode called Precipice. What do you think they called it Precipice? Um I literally was just thinking that in my head as you said. Uh I <laughs> I think I mean, because we're like on the precipice of like the end. I think that's kind of where we are. 
Um, thought you know, I thought about it a little. I don't know if they talked about it in the last episode. I don't. The the, the director's commentary for this episode was a little sparse, uh, but um, they talk a lot about just how even though everything's been going on for four months, like there's this time in particular is important, and uh, we're starting to see things start to take shape. So I think yeah, this is sort of like the quiet quote-unquote before things really spiral toward the end so maybe that's why Hmm. yeah that makes sense like they're on the edge of rescue but they're also on the edge of the Cylons just killing most of them yeah yeah so speaking of the Cylons the Cylons have scooped up Laura Roslin and she is in a detention cell when we open up the episode. She's, like, blocking her eyes from the sun. That made me think of how, like, Ty, too, was, like, hiding in the shade. Yeah. And how this was, like, the stories about Guantanamo, how they would, like, keep the lights on really bright 24 hours a day, or they would play really, really loud music. It's, like, psychological torture. <laughs> That's what this reminded me of. <clears throat> So Baltar comes in uh, with a chair, and then a guard brings in another chair, which she takes, and um, he gives her her glasses, and then he basically reveals that he's not there because he cares about her well-being. He needs her to stand with him and denounce these suicide bombings. Um, he explains that everyone is being investigated for being part of the insurgency. She's no exception. But if the two of them publicly condemn the bombings, that will make them stop. And she's unfazed. She's just like, oh, so something does scare the Cylons. And he's like, I think people using their bodies to be bombs should scare everyone and she just says that desperate people use desperate measures so this made me think where else have we seen suicide bombs in this show i i don't know this is a trick question <laughs> it's not it's uh, happened it's, it's suicide bombs uh, oh the actual terror actual terrorists right no a Durrell got onto the, the Galactica. Oh, yeah, with that's right. A suicide bomb strapped to his chest. Yeah. And blew up part of the ship. <laughs> so they weren't against it then. But yeah. they are against it now. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know how that works. <laughs> Which ties into conversation we were just having offline where yeah. people <laughs> are only against things when it affects them. Yeah. Or they only want things when they need it themselves, not yeah. when other people need it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's interesting that they're like, we can't have people just blowing us up. So we're going to round them up and kill them. Yeah. It's it's funny because my instinct is to is to defend, uh, you know, the Galactica when, when in the case of Doral. Um, cause it does seem a little different, but that's the, the, that's your whole point, right? Like I'm mm -hmm. 
seeing it from a certain perspective. So if it doesn't feel justified, but from his side, maybe it does. Mm. Well, I wasn't trying to see it from his side. Yeah, no, but, but it's that's but that's how it works, right? It's yeah. like every the the person that's enacting it can definitely like they, at least they have their reasons why they feel justified in doing what they're doing. It might not be, but yeah. So then, um, she or no, he asks her to look him in the eye and tell him that she's okay with suicide bombings, and she doesn't say anything. And he yells at her the number of the people that were killed for just for putting on a police uniform. And she's like, uh, those police have been taking people from their homes in the middle of the night and arresting them without charge and torturing them. And he's like, there's no torture. There's no torture. And she's like, yeah, tell that to Colonel Ty. And he's like, no, there's no torture. So, like, does he not know what happened to Ty? Yeah, I'm like, and that whole thing was kind of weird because... I'm wondering, is he that naive or is he being willfully, like, obtuse? I, I think he doesn't know. I think they haven't told him what they did to Colonel Ty or what they're doing to anybody in these detention centers. Well, because, like, a little bit later, the towards the end of the episode, like, Zarek specifically is in there because of not wanting to go along with Baltar. So it's like... Come on, Baltar. Like, you were very close to Zarek. <laughs> you just haven't thought about him in the last four months? It just, I don't know. Like, Well, I don't think he was close to Zarek. I think he needed Zarek for his own means. And... Well, Zarek, was uh, it, isn't Zarek the vice president, though? Yeah. Yeah, so, and, like, and, he... And, and Zarek was against colluding with the Cylons, and so he was put in a detention center, and I think that Baltar is incredibly selfish and as long as he himself is not in a detention center he doesn't care yeah it's just it's it because it, 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 the way that james callis um delivers that line it definitely feels convincing like baltard doesn't know but obviously i don't think he does yeah but it's like i, I it's kind of like He's he's also the smartest person in the known universe. So if he put his mind behind it, he should know, you know, or at least infer that he just seems he, so he's oh, I, that can't be happening. Yeah. No, he doesn't want to know. Yeah. Because that would that would mean he'd have to feel guilty. This guy. I know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I didn't put him as the worst, and now I'm reconsidering it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he says that he hopes that she understands the severity of the situation and obeys her conscience as he has always done. And she's like, of that, I have no doubt. And then he tells the guard to give her back her shoes and get her out of there. So we go outside the detention center and see fucking jammer as jammer. he watches a large truck roll up and there's this pa system here talking about a curfew that is in, in effect um around jammer there are other in my notes i wrote police officers in quotes <laughs> talking <laughs> about what they're about to be told to do and like one of them is nervous about it and another one says they have to 
make a point so the violence ends and another one says as Cavill gets out of the truck to just do what he asks and everything will be okay so Cavill goes up to fucking Jammer and asks if he understands his orders and calls him Captain this fucking guy Captain (laughs) 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 oh man um just I don't know what you're gonna say. I the we could we were talking last episode about Jammer's proximity to Duck when he blew yeah. himself up. And I guess there was a... because it, it's funny because my memory kind of filled this in, but I think I was just kind of listening to when I had listened to the podcast in years past. I guess there was there was an intention of a whole thing with Jammer climbing out of the bodies and it was gonna be like this whole showing how he uh how that bombing affected him um but they just because of logistics and whatever budget and time they just weren't able to do any of it um so he just kind of abruptly shows up in this episode like nothing happened um yeah uh, no like no like scars or anything yeah no scratches on his face nothing yeah but they they were good they there it was their intention to do to do it but i don't know whatever i don't care because like jammer is the worst so yeah so uh, cavill asks him if he understands his orders and jammer's like yeah and cavill tells him not to worry they have his back and all around him are some centurions in the bunker the uh insurgent bunker Chief asks if they've heard that the Cylons have cut food rations. Um, They're sitting there waiting for the next Raptor transmission. And Chief says that they're talking about shutting down the marketplace. And Ty's like, well, we'll have to shift targets. And Chief's like, you were thinking about hitting the marketplace? It's full of civilians. And like he and Anders share this look. And he says they need to figure out whose side they're on. And Ty's like, we're on the side of demons. We're <laughs> evil men in the garden of paradise sent by the forces of death to spread devastation and destruction wherever we go. I'm surprised you didn't know that. <laughs> this, so this is, again, like this era of Battlestar. I remember like me and my friends, like Ty's, the quotes that he has, this particular speech was, <laughs> I think, probably our number one. Um, I can't remember i think that there was one in the next episode or the finale like the uh, new caprica finale but uh yeah the the way he delivers this particular line we're the demons yeah (laughs) it's just like it's oh it's like master class yeah it's so good it actually i actually really started kind of like thinking about the psychology of ty um in this moment, and it all sort of started to make sense to me. I never really thought about it before because I don't know. I was just kind of paying attention to the performance and stuff. But yeah, he was—he's a veteran of of uh, maybe two, two wars. wars. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he—you know—we kind of went over it before, like fought hand to hand and everything. So it's 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 easy to see why he's so willing to do easily seems easily do the things that he's doing here, um, and have yeah. the mindset that he does. He has another speech later, which I copied and pasted because um, it just it really encapsulates like where his mind is. I think. Yeah, the one with Rosalind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll 
we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, the raptor makes contact and tell, Ty tells Chief to send the message twice to be sure. So we're back to Cavill and fucking Jammer, <laughs> who is given a list of names to people to arrest. And Jammer's like, there are people I know on this list. And Cavill's just like, yeah, they're all insurgents. We need to break the cycle of violence. So fucking Jammer tells the other traitors to suit up. They put on their ski masks and... Cavill tells them they won't have to wear those much longer because eventually their people will see them as heroes. And Jammer's just like, yeah, not tonight. And then turns to his troops and gives them orders. So they go out and they start pulling a bunch of people from their tents. And one of them is Callie. And then Chief returns to his tent, hears Nikki crying, sees that Callie is gone. And we go to the opening credits. Jammer's the worst. Yeah. Dude, that's your friend. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Like I he can, like he could feel all guilty about it later or whatever. Fuck you, man. Yeah. Like so, I I do think and you know, listening to this the commentary for this episode, uh, it was like Ron Moore and his wife on this one, and I think it was more so his wife um, kind of brought up this idea that. You know, you never really know how you're going to react in like these like high stakes circumstances, which I think is is completely valid and true. Like we can I can say what I would do. But when, when all when all this stuff is happening and you're kind of in it, you might make different choices. But like, I, I, I can say that, like, just kind of watching what he does. I it's it's really hard it's really hard to have an ounce of sympathy, not that you should try to have any. Um, but I think as I, I do think that they were trying to show that he was like kind of caught in the middle, like caught in a circumstance and he tried to start out to do good and things spiraled. But even so it's like, he, he always makes the, like the cowardly choice, like always like, I would want to see him say no and get executed. And I would, like, I would think better of him. I mean, you're going to die anyway. But, um, so it's like I, I would rather have, you know, him go out nobly than how he does, you know. Um, oh, God, he's so. Yeah, he's he's a, he's spineless, just spineless. He 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 joined because of if we're gonna go by the um the webisodes he he joined because he thinks he's gonna get something out of it later yeah he's gonna be rewarded for this you're he's he didn't do it the for the reasons a duck did it mm -hmm. duck did it to like to be a a spy on the inside yeah jammer's not giving them information because they don't know he didn't tell them that he did this, that he's part of it. He could have, he could have owned up to it and told Chief, like, yeah, I, they're blackmailing me. I did have a question. Uh, I don't know if it's a plot hole. I think it is. Um, like, I was just wondering, Duck. So Duck never told them about Jammer, I guess. Um, but, I guess not. Yeah, that is a plot hole. Yeah, it's a pretty big one. But or maybe whatever. maybe he assumed that they knew. And that Jammer had his own mission. I don't know. But yeah, that is, that's a plot hole. 
Yeah, I you know I don't know maybe. So in a I'm say I'm 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 an apologist. I'm going to try to make it make sense in the um, maybe in the graduation. Um, that was the first time they saw people unmasked. Maybe that's what I'm going to say. So when that's, um, that's possible as well, because I do feel like Duck would have been like, oh, yeah, well, Jammer's there. Yeah, because Jammer kind of was like, hey, Duck. And maybe that was the first time he realized Duck was a part of it. I mean, I'm just yeah. going to say that to myself because. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after the credits, we join the Galactica. F and... Jammer. I, F Jammer. <laughs> <laughs> and. They are dis- we'll have plenty of time to <laughs> to rail against Jammer. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> um, so we have we have Adama and Hilo and Duala and Cat and Lee and then one random guy who I've never seen before. Right. Um, and they're discussing ties. Um. It- message the intel that they got from ty and how to handle it hilo thinks their numbers are thin duala thinks they must be taking heavy losses and mentions the cylon crackdown that um think she says that chief must have sent that cat thinks that they need a list of oh no this is where they mentioned chief cat thinks they need a list of available pilots on the ground so they can get some of the vipers back and adama says that those ships aren't going anywhere and mentions a note from Tyrol about the Cylons having removed the launch keys from all the grounded colonial ships and nobody knows where they are. Cat wonders if they can make new launch keys and Lee's just like, nah, that would take weeks just to figure out what the specs are. <clears throat> and Adama says that their best option is for Ty's group to find the keys unless they were destroyed, which is what Duala adds. Cat doesn't think that happened because the Cylons would want to use those ships later probably and Hilo agrees so Kat suggests making a weapons drop to the insurgents so that they can hit the Cylons harder and find the keys themselves which Lee objects to saying that right now there's only five base stars around but if they suddenly have heavy weaponry they'll know the people on the ground have been in contact with the Galactica and they'll send more base stars which in his defense is a good point although he is a negative Nancy about this whole thing yeah in my notes I just wrote I wrote F Lee, LOL. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's just, he's, so... just he's, he's very against this rescue mission. He's yeah. not hiding that. Yeah. Um, but he does have a point here. Yeah. That if they do suddenly have weapons that they didn't have before, then the Cylons are going to figure out how. I mean, he makes um, a great point a little bit later, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that he's, he's still Mr. Like, he's a can't, can't do, you know? Yeah. Like, it's a, yeah. No, no, you couldn't. You couldn't give him like a good idea and he would shoot it down because he's so, I don't know. Yeah. So Kat is like, uh, I thought this was our plan, indicating that he didn't want to have anything to do with any of this at all. And Adama's just like, all right, let's move this along and tells them to keep these plans on their person at all times. So then we have chief meeting with Gaeta. He wants to know why they took Callie. Gaeta doesn't know. And chief is just frustrated with Gaeta being what he thinks is ineffective. And he asked Gaeta how he can look himself in the mirror every day. And Gaeta's like, well, I'll see what I can find out. 
And I understand that Gata can't just be like, well, man, I've been giving you dead drops. Like, mm-hmm. I've been helping you out. Because, like, I don't know if Gata knows who he's the... giving the information to. Yeah, the, in the commentary, he uh, Ron Moore says he loves this the idea of this is where neither of them knows that I, the other one's the ones getting information. So they yeah. just, yeah. So that's, that's the dynamic anyway. All right. So we're back to fucking jammer. When he approaches the, <laughs> <laughs> the tent and sees the little like bit of Nikki's mobile on the ground and chief comes up and jammers all jumpy. And he says he heard about what happened and, Chief calls the basically calls the human police traitors, and Jammer's like, "Well, I mean, I mean, some of those guys probably are probably in over their heads. I mean, they <laughs> they probably thought they were doing something good, like getting the silence off the street." And Chief's like, "They're idiots," <laughs> and <laughs> asks if Jan- Jammer knows who any of them are, and Jammer's like, "Oh no, 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 I don't, I don't know. I, how does Chief not know?" <laughs> I love, I love Chief. Not know. I love Chief in these scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I love him so much. I love him. And I love the way he's delivering his lines to Gata earlier. I love like when he's oh like Jammer, we're gonna get him. We're gonna stick him up their necks. <laughs> we're gonna be the one tying the knot, tying him tight, tying him tight. Yeah, the way he like the, all of his manner, it's great. I love it. He's, I mean, he's understandably like stressed and and mad, and like his wife has been taken. But how does he not? How, maybe he's just so kind of lost in his own shit that he's not noticing that Jammer is like. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't the, know. I don't the know. The only <laughs> the only thing I can think of is this episode of Friends with um, Dermot Mulroney was a guest star, and he's like sort of he and Rachel like kissed and like she's trying to hide it from Ross and somebody like knocks on their door and she like jumps and he's like, you're like a Bronco coming out of the shoot for the first time. <laughs> like, that's, what, <laughs> that's what Jammer is like, like every question he just like, Ugh! like he's going to, I just, I feel like he's acting extremely guilty. Right. Although maybe they had a good reason to do this. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's, I don't know. It's so, yeah, yeah, it's so sort of obvious. Reason? Yeah, it's so obvious, but you know, whatever. Um, so we, then we go back to Kara's prison apartment, <laughs> and she's staring at Leoban as he tells her that it's been a, a few ugly days, and he knows that she doesn't care, but life means something to them, and he's decided to show her just how precious life can be. And he starts walking upstairs and he asks her if she remembers the breeding farm on Caprica. And she's like, I remember blowing it up. And he's like, well, it wasn't a total loss. We were able to salvage some stuff like your ovary. And he comes downstairs with this little girl. And Kara's like, what's that? And Leoban says, it's Casey. And introduces Kara as her mother. And my question for you, Diallo, is how stupid is Kara? Like... How stupid is she? She's as dumb as I am because I totally like bought it by the end. <laughs> that kid is legitimately like three years old. Yeah, too too old. And I it actually... has at most been a year and a half since Kara was at that farm. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, I, I was actually like the kid. I was like that kid definitely recognizes her mom <laughs> later. So I was like that kid. Like she could have said something. Like you're not my mom. What? Whatever. Yeah, because that kid can talk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but. I said this, I expressed this to Jason when we were watching this the other day. I was like, how how stupid is Carol? Like, really? And he was like, why? And I said all of this, and he was like, I don't know. I thought it was true. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I mean, thought I, that was her kid. I so. thought it was her kid, too. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, part, of, part of it, for at least for the viewers, um, and it could be from production, too, they might not have really been thinking about the, the actual timeline, but, I mean, it literally would have, I mean... It, I mean, it might have been only a year between season that season two and this one. Maybe I don't know. Um, well, they've been on Caprica for at least for, for at least a year. Yeah, so that maybe a year and a half. Jump. Yeah, yeah. I think at most it's been a year and a half. Yeah, maybe like so she could have been maybe two because they've they've been four. Yeah, so the oldest she could have been is two years old, maybe. But anyway, yeah, I just kind of I went with it. I thought, oh man, because maybe I wanted it to be true. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> like, I wasn't thinking at the time when this aired, like, oh, my God, Kara, you're so dumb. That is definitely not your kid. I, I was like, I really hope this is not her kid mm-hmm. because I don't I, I, I don't want this little child as part of Kara's story. Yeah, you know what I, I mean, because I agree with you. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I, I wasn't sitting there hoping that there was going to be this whole other, like, arc with her kid and what she's going to do. And now we're going to have to have scenes with Carrot figuring out how to, how to like, change diapers or something. Um, but I, I, I think that for me, there was like, there were, there were no other alternatives that I could ever think of. Not that, again, I don't really think about things too much uh, mm-hmm. when I'm watching, but like, that there's no there was no real other alternative for it to be so i would have never thought that it was what it was you know what it ended up being like i just never right. would have been, i never would have thought that so there was only one sort of like opportunity on the board so i was like it was either her daughter or like a baby cylon like that was you know that, those were the only two options that i could ever contemplate in the moment and it ended up being like occam's Neither. razor answer <laughs> sort of like it's a very you know um, yeah, which I love. I love how it ends up because it's it's kind of a gut punch, but for her. But um, yeah. All right, so we go back to the Pegasus, and Duala has received a message from the Galactica about their plan to send an officer down to the planet to coordinate with the team there. And Lee's like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Until Duala hands him the message so he can see who the officer is. And he immediately is like, "Yo, what's his name? Yoshi? Yoshi. Yoshi, like the Mario character? Okay. He yeah. immediately wants Yoshi to get him a raptor so he can go over to the Galactica. And when he gets there... I'm sorry, there... it's Hoshi. <laughs> like, oh, it's Hoshi? Yeah, it's Hoshi, yeah. Hoshi. I don't know why I don't know why my <laughs> brain... I don't know where my brain was. I was actually looking at my notes when you were talking, and all I was <laughs> thinking was, I have F Husky Lee right there. So. <laughs> um, Sorry. Hoshi. 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 He asks Hoshi to get him a raptor. He goes over to the Galactica and um, confronts his father, who is super calm when Lee says he can't send her because she's a Cylon. And Adama's like, yeah, well, I trust her. 
And Lee's like, that's a mistake. And Adam's like, well, then it'll be my mistake. Lee thinks that he's gambling with everyone's lives. Adama doesn't need a lecture from Lee, and he walks out, but Lee follows, and he says that this plan is reckless. He can gamble with the lives of the people under his command, but he can't gamble with the lives of the entire human race. Adama is trying to save the human race, and they disagree on what remains of the human race. Lee says that it's the 2,000 people on civilian ships that managed to get away when the silence showed up. Adama clearly thinks that it includes all the people they left behind. Adama says that Sharon can penetrate the Cylon defenses. The Centurions can't tell the difference between human models. They were programmed that way deliberately so they didn't become self-aware and rebel, which is ironic. Lee jumps in front of him to stop him from walking, and Adama says he understands Lee's side, but he has a responsibility to the people on the ground. Lee brings up Roslyn and says that they have a responsibility to the survival of humanity, and if they go back to New Caprica now, they lose. Adama tells Lee to make plans to resume the search for Earth with Pegasus and the civilian fleet. He knows the people down there made their choice to be there and why he took the fleet away when the silence first appeared, but he can't live with it and he's going back. Yeah, he, like, Lee def- definitely has a good point here. Like, it's it's like almost like that original point from you know, the miniseries that Rosalind makes to, to Adama um, but it's just like the, the texture here is that <laughs> the motivation is like most of what he's doing is based out of fear and a reluctance to like do anything you know yeah uh, and but he also happens to be right like a broken husky clock you know I in hindsight as I watch these episodes, like I, I, I really, re- I'm reacting really strongly to Lee in these episodes more so than I ever have before. Cause I was kind of would laugh at him a little bit, but I'm kind of like in hindsight, they didn't have to, like, I understand that they, like they wanted to like have a visual language to show how things have changed and sort of represent, um, like Lee, like the manifestation of him, like not having the edge anymore. Um, but I don't know that like they needed to to do that. Like he could have just been Lee and been the same. It's almost like he went a little bit too far uh, with his acting choices to sell it. And he doesn't feel like he's Lee Adama to me at all in these episodes. Yeah, um, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, like it just feels like it's just a completely different character, and he doesn't return until he's in the weight room with Hilo, working out, telling Hilo, "Don't ever let me get that big again." And then all of a sudden, right. he's back to acting like the Lee before. So this whole, the, all of these uh, New Caprica episodes, he could they could have been like a little bit more subtle choices than the ones that we got. Like it just doesn't doesn't feel like him and and the you know the fat suit part doesn't really do anything to really sell any of this either i don't know yeah no i i know that they it's like they he's become soft like duala said in the last episode and it's not just the weight it's him but like we need this visual like representation of how he 
how soft he's gotten, how scared he's gotten. Like he's, I don't know, like almost like he's depressed Mm -hmm. and he's gained a bunch of weight because he's not motivated to do things the way that he was before or something. But they're not, that's just me applying reason to it. That's not Mm -hmm. what we're told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, he's like super annoying and shut up, Lee. Yeah, just like he's so like he shoots down everything. And, yeah. And there doesn't and there doesn't I I think it's because there doesn't seem to be like for for everybody else, I kind of get where they're coming from, good or bad. Like even Jammer I understand more than I understand Lee. So, like he 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 the reluctance he has to do anything. And... Yeah, and like what why doesn't he want to save his friends? Yeah. And all of these other people. Like why isn't that your driving motivation to yeah. save the people you supposedly cared about? Mhm. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's just, he, it's, it's really like hard. he be, he's like the he's he's the commander of the Pegasus and he's adopted this like isolationist we are the only ones who matter mentality that he mm-hmm. like leached onto him from the ship or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, they didn't have enough, they didn't have enough like time to really explore any of that. So I'm not, you know, again, I think that's yeah. that sort of like why they had the fat suit, right? Because that's like a really quick visual means to show just like, just like with the Dama having the mustache or, you know, like there's a, there's a bunch of things to show, that there's been a passage of time really quickly without having to like really go into it. But I, I do think that like Lee was shortchanged in all of that. Um, and I, I, I would imagine that if they had a chance to do it over again, they would make a different choice than what they, what they did. Maybe so. Did Ron Moore say anything about that? I'm just saying, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I just I do man, I do know I I can't remember where he says it. Um it might have been closer to the uh the legal stuff, but I do like know that they were always trying to he was always trying to find something for Lee to do. So they were always trying things and I think that's where this came from. Um mm-hmm. and but I also feel like I might be making this up or he might have said it like they some things worked and some things didn't. And so yeah. they they were aware they were well aware when it didn't work and you know I, if this if this hadn't worked they might have kept it longer you know but they didn't so they I think they kind of knew that it wasn't really you know it yeah. wasn't really it wasn't vibing with them. Okay, so Leo Bin tells his elaborate story about how the Cylons made Casey, which is basically like. They fertilized an egg from Kara's ovary and then put it in a human woman to carry, and then that woman died. He gets up to leave and tells Kara that the kid will be hungry soon and asks if she would let her own child starve, and Kara's like, that's not my kid. And he leaves her yelling to not leave her alone with this thing. That's what she yells to him. And then she looks at Casey and doesn't, and says that she doesn't know who or what she is, but she's not her mother. I don't know who or what you are, but I'm not your mother. Kid's going to have issues. 
Uh, then we have Rosalind visiting the insurgent leadership, and she tells them to stop the suicide bombings. And Ty asks her if she works for the Cylons now, and she slaps him and immediately apologizes. And he's like, yeah, none of that matters now. He's got one job now, and it's to distract the Cylons so they don't notice when the Galactica comes back to save them. And he says, you know... Sometimes I think you've got ice water in those veins, and other times I think you're just a naive little school teacher. I've sent men on suicide missions in two wars now, and let me tell you something, it doesn't make a god's damn bit of difference whether they're riding in a viper or walking out into a parade ground. In the end, they're just as dead. So take your piety and your moralizing and your high-minded principles and stick them someplace safe until you're off this rock and you're sitting in your nice cushy chair on Colonial One again. I've got a war to fight. Colonel Ty, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that guy. He, you know, again, like he makes a really good point. Um, and effectively, his his part of the plan is like is what allows for, you know, the eventual rescue coming a few episodes later. Um so I mean, he, like he's right, but one thing that one thing about all of this, the bombing stuff, and they, you know, they talk about it at the very beginning of the episode when they mentioned like the marketplace. I I just started thinking about like like they're effectively bombing their own people, and they they're mm -hmm. all gonna have to like leave and kind of live with each other after this. Um, they never really go into any of that, but it's like, yeah, like I I I. And, you know, to to quote unquote, be fair to the show, they only really show them the casualties being the Cylons, really. But you can infer that there were some humans that weren't colluding, some innocents that were caught up in it, too. And I kind of feel like that should have turned them against eventually turned them against the the military, say, when they all get back off of New Caprica. But. Um, that's the that I think that's like the fundamental problem. Like besides suicide bombings not being like the the best thing, um, that's sort of like the functional problem with what how they're doing this because they're basically bombing their own people um, in the name of uh, escaping. Like even in like I think about it, like a lot of the IRA bombings, they were bombing like non Irish people. So like in their minds, they, it was it's still the enemy. But here, it's like there's, you know, they're all colonials. Yeah. So. I mean, it's not great. Suicide bombing is not great. I'm not defending yeah. it. Yeah, I'm not advocating any of it. But. Yeah, no, it's, it's terrible. It's... And innocent people do get caught in that crossfire. Yeah. But in this situation that, that they're in, there aren't that many ways that they could do this without there being civilian casualties too now should they be bombing a marketplace absolutely not right because the likelihood of there being cylon there it would be mostly civilians but like you know very shortly there's a woman who sets off a bomb at a power station there are lots of there are a lot more cylons there than humans only four humans were killed there more Cylons. Yeah. Like if, I mean, basically if we are, if we can even contemplate like they do in clerks, 
destroying the Death Star and <laughs> having vice type. And I'm, I'm like being funny, but also kind of serious. Like we can sort of like intellectually contemplate like the repercussions of that. Then like this is actually like worse than that because like at least in that instance, the who they were bombing was grouped in with the other but here it's like it's like themselves and like you know go back to the episode where um uh when we had dana delaney like she she was willing to be a, a like a terrorist based on like the cylons doing that so imagine like if they they could have had episodes after this where some colonials were like you know wtf you yeah you you killed my you killed my brother. We were just at the marketplace, guys. Right. You know, they don't really get into that. I mean, no. it's already bad. It's already bad enough. <laughs> like, it's, like, it's kind of like you don't really need to get into it, but that it actually like makes it even worse. It makes it even more mind boggling, you know? Yeah. Uh, so we have a quick scene with fucking Jammer <laughs> talking to Boomer, <laughs> trying to. Like, he gets her attention to tell her about Callie. <laughs> and we go back to Kara, who is, like, literally twirling her hair and, like, pacing the apartment while Casey hops around on a couch. She goes in the bathroom to be alone, and then she hears, like, a cry and this thump and goes out to find Casey at the bottom of the stairs with her head bleeding. So, and, hmm? do, 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 did, do you think Leoben did that, or did she actually... I was going to ask you that question. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, literally, like, I'm like, yes. I, I was kind of wondering, and I never really thought I, about it. You know, I think Leoben pushed the kid down the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. And because then they go to this hospital, which I guess Kara's allowed out of her little prison to go to the hospital. And um, we see that she's, you know, really upset that this happened to this kid. And then I we can just skip ahead to like later she's like praying for the kid to be okay and Leobin like has his hand on her shoulder and then when Casey wakes up she actually takes Leobin's hand so his plan worked yeah and, and so it's like obviously the plan but like it makes sense that he would push her you know obviously but I think it's just that my brain is just also kind of like, damn, that's cold. Like, I almost don't want to accept that he could be that cold to, like, because that's a little, the pool of blood. I was like, that's pretty, you know. He's a machine. I get, oh, I mean, so, he's, so he's, is Sharon Valeri. Yes, true. I don't think that um, Leobin cares at all about this child i think yeah. he he is just trying to manipulate kara into being his girlfriend <laughs> and <laughs> he and it's it's a psychological torture thing that he's yeah. doing here yeah yeah and, and like i didn't think about whether or not he pushed casey down the stairs until this last time that i watched it because right. i was i was thinking about like did that kid make any sound at all other than the thumping down the stairs and so i was right. listening and you hear her kind of cry out uh-huh but like what would make her climb up the stairs she knows him so if he was up the stairs mm-hmm. and like got her to come up and then pushed her that just made sense to me yeah yeah good i 
you know, as again, the billion times I watched, I just, you know, I just kind of was going along with it. And obviously there's the question that like was there at accident, but I just never like it almost didn't matter. But like now that we're kind of dissect- dissecting stuff, I'm like, huh, you know, um, and again, it does make sense that he like it. That's pr- the most likely answer. And it's just me. Like, my only hesitation isn't I'm I'm actually invalidating my my thought about it i'm just kind of like it's just so cold it's almost like my brain doesn't want to like accept it you know what i mean like because mm-hmm. it's just like damn um but i know that that's likely the case that he pushed her yeah uh then we have this scene with boomer and callie callie immediately says that she wishes she had a gun <laughs> and, and boomer just asks if she's okay and she says that she's happy for callie and chief and that they started a family it was something that she and chief had talked about themselves and callie's like can you get me out of here and boomer doesn't know if she can and so then callie calls her a slur and wonders how many times she'll have to shoot her and yells for her to leave them alone i mean it i felt like it was all appropriate okay so <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, like uh, Callie has her reasons. Yeah, she has her reasons. Um, then this woman sets off suicide bomb at the power station, which leads us to the Cylon leadership discussing this newest bombing on Colonial One. Cavill thinks it's time for stronger measure- measures. The threes, Simons, and Doral's all agree, and then the sixes agree, minus Caprica. A three says that um, that's enough and brings a document to Baltar to sign. And he asks what it is. And she tells him it's for the execution of everyone on the list. And it needs his signature. and He won't sign it. Caprica tells her that she doesn't need to bring Baltar into this sin with her. Um, then this three tells the committee that Caprica crushed her head with a rock on Caprica. Caprica says that she's not proud of that, but it was something that she had to do. Cavill tells Baltar to sign the list. Baltar says they don't need his signature. Three says that they do because they're there as allies to the legitimate government of the colonies. <laughs> so everything they do needs his signature. This is some Republican bullshit right here. <laughs> we are allies to the legitimate government. We just need you to go along with what we're doing and Baltar's like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And so Durrell stands up and says that they'll find another president then and holds a gun to his head. I'm missing the, I'm missing the Republican connection, but I, oh, I because really, they, they always say that they're doing one thing, but they're actually doing another thing. Oh, uh, I guess, I don't know. My, I, me with government in general i'm just like i feel like that's the entire government but i neither here nor there um i really love the way Doral <laughs> just like his ex the how he says cite it cite it he just keeps saying it over and yelling i just love it. i've always loved that scene um in the commentary apparently I feel like he's uh, Ron Moore was saying that actually that whole sequence is actually originally in a cut was cut out. Like they didn't have that, and I'm really glad they put it in. But it was put back in at the behest or suggestion of James Callis because he was very concerned with 
Baltar not being full full villain, which I actually really that's one of the things I like. I've always liked about Baltar, as bad as he can be, is that he was less a uh, mustache twirly bad guy like the original Baltar from Battlestar Galactica, and he was more this like mostly um, on the side of the demons, but he had this moral gray, and he was mostly just trying to survive, right? He was never like he never set out to put people down because he was uh, whatever. So um, that scene was actually put back in to to give a layer of him actually like not like it wasn't that he was coldly just executing people, but it, he had you know literally had the gun to his head to do it. Uh, I can't believe they were ever going to have this play out as if he wasn't forced into this. Right, right. Because, like, yeah. you can say a lot of things about Baltar, but I would never say that he's evil. Yeah. I would say that he's spineless and self, um, self-concerned. self Like, he's only, he only is ever really looking out for his himself. Um, But I wouldn't say that he would see a list of people with, like, Tom Zarek and Laura Roslin's name on it and be like, yeah, okay, I'll sign that. Yeah, and I so I just think like from a production standpoint, I think it was just uh, it was because time, like yeah. they just you know, um, but that it was just deemed um, uh, that it was really important to put it in there because obviously it was written and, and shot, so they it was done, but yeah. they cut it out, but then put it back in because without it, you don't have that the context that we get where mm-hmm. you know, um, and you know, and then and then luckily this comes in like from a storytelling treachery standpoint it comes in a little bit a little bit later in the uh, in the season um, yeah this moment so so baltar like slips into his mind where head six is and she tells him there's nothing he can do but it'll be okay they'll kill him if he doesn't sometimes you have to do something you hate to survive and when he sort of comes back to reality he's already signed the list which the three takes and leaves and I made a note that Boomer says nothing in this meeting and that it seems like the two heroes of the Cylon have lost their sway on the Cylon population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boomer's kind of, like, especially after that whole Cali thing, I I never, I don't know that I ever really picked up on it before, but uh, I think after, who, after, who, said, who says it to her? Oh, I think it was Deanna was like, you know, didn't she try to murder you? <laughs> and because it, it felt like Boomer was like going to do something about it, about Callie. But then after that, she kind of she becomes ineffective and like in particular with Callie, but also in this in this scene. So, yeah, yeah, it's almost like she. I, mean, I I feel like they could have played her the complexity up a little bit more for her, but um, just with the way the events are, just how she like you know again like what Diana says to her, she yeah, it kind of almost sounds like she's not on board any longer. Yeah, I mean maybe we'll be able to trace things as we go further to the the change that Boomer has, mm-hmm. and maybe it does tie back to this moment where she goes to visit Callie. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. 
Uh, meanwhile, the other Sharon takes the oath to become an officer, and Hilo is really happy about this. So he am and... I. <laughs> I love he this and... scene so much. He and Sharon discuss the importance of um, of her being allowed to be a part of the military again and how important that is to both of them. And before she leaves, she asks Adama how he knows he can really trust her, and he says he doesn't. That's what trust is. That's what I... trust is. <laughs> which I which I like. Yeah. Um and uh ugh, then we go to this post <laughs> Cavill and Ellen sex scene and he remarks that she didn't do this thing she does, which I I guys I'm not gonna talk about it. Apparently it was a, it was from Seinfeld. I read that too. Yeah. I don't I I'm right. not um I don't have Seinfeld memorized the way I have friends memorized, so I don't know what it's referring to. But yeah, my friend Corey is steeped in Seinfeld. He probably will uh, know, but okay. yeah, I didn't really. I watched Seinfeld and loved it, but I don't remember the particular. Yeah, I watched it, and I have not really done much rewatching of it. So, uh, yeah. I, I'm not going to talk about it, but he asks how Saul is, and she says he's fine, and then he asks when the next meeting of the insurgents is, and points out that there's no point denying it. It's why they let Saul out. Cavill informs Ty that they, or informs Alan that they release Ty so that he might continue leading the resistance. Um... Which is this like really complicated thing. So he, they release Ty because they know he's leading the, re the resistance. They want to ensure that these attacks against the Cylons keep happening so that it reinforces Cavill's argument that instilling fear and total control over the population is the only viable solution. I got nothing. That... <laughs> um... <laughs> She tries to pretend that she doesn't know anything, but he calls her bluff and he tells her that he needs a time and a place for the next meeting. And if he doesn't get it, they will pick Saul up again. And this time he'll lose more than an eye. It's interesting how she just from her acting choice, she goes from like, I don't know what's going on till when she figures out that he's on to her. She immediately like turns it on, you know? Mm -hmm. like the su the su seductress vibe yeah. you know it's really a really interesting acting choice uh that she yeah she, falls back on that she's like i thought you i was here for the twist and he's yeah. like uh no <laughs> not really um so in the insurgent bunker chief ty and anders are discussing the rendezvous with the liaison officer from galactica ty asks who the officer is and chief says that it's sharon and ty's like is that a joke <laughs> it, is, it is not <laughs> his like ty has a slight like irish accent and it really comes out with the word joke uh, um yeah. i think it's irish um, you mean the actor or, or yeah. just like that character? The actor, yeah. I, I, like he, the, I don't know if it's, if it's, I don't know if it's Michael Hogan or if it's what he does with Ty. Yeah, but, it might be because he's very Canadian. So I don't, yeah, I'm, but that yeah, but I don't... word joke didn't sound Canadian to me, whatever. It, it came out with like some kind of flair on it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is, but it's not a joke. Adama swore her in. She's a serving officer of the military, which Chief says is more than I can say about us. <laughs> <laughs> Ty thinks Adama has lost his mind, but then he asks where the rendezvous is, and um, that was left up to them. So Anders pulls out a map to show where he was thinking, and as they start talking, there's a knock at the door and it's Ellen. So they just resume talking about it because they're not going to not talk about this in front of Ellen. Apparently she pays attention while she's pretending to warm her hands on this fire. And Saul takes the map to make sure he makes sure that everything um, is memorized, that they have all got everything memorized and he goes to burn it. And there's like two pieces of paper. So one is the map and one is like their, the message that chief needs to send the next day, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes to burn it. And Ellen's like, let me let me do that so you don't have to get up. And oh, he's like, oh, thank you. And so when she goes to burn it, she puts one piece of paper in, but she shoves the map in like a pocket or her sleeve. I can't remember. You want to know what I got really caught up on um, hmm. when they were given their plan? I know you want to know. Um, how did they name it Breeders Canyon? I was really stuck on that. <laughs> you know, I didn't even notice that's what they called it. Yeah, I was just because it, it just started getting me thinking about world building, <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, so like they had to name all these places." And I'm like, "How do they get up? With, how do they come up with Breeders Canyon? What is is it? Is a guy named Breeder? Is that where they go to copulate and breed? Well, like, no, what's happening? They hap- don't have any happens? animals. Yeah. So, anyway." It's not a not a serious question. But... <laughs> um, so then Gator runs into Colonial One to demand to know if Baltar knew about this list. And Baltar insists that there was nothing he could do. And there's a little back and forth. And Gator leaves disgusted. I I mean, Baltar could have said they literally held a gun to my head, but he doesn't. Yeah. He, well, he's so like, I I don't I hesitate to say this because I don't want to sound like I'm defending him. But I, I think he's just that's the whatever state he's in. He's it, it's so like he it's like he it's gone. Things have gone so far. He doesn't care anymore. Nothing matters anymore. He he uh, yes, he could have said that, but it's also just like I don't know. He yeah, didn't... they've of, they've officially broken him. Yeah. But yeah, it is annoying because it's like it's just like when I'm watching like like whatever like some show and it's like you know someone has a secret and they start yeah. to tell them and then they just stop and you're like just can say it yeah like why yeah so I get it I get it uh, the human police start rounding people up including Rosalind this is where Boomer makes that case for not killing Callie to three and but three is not interested in that. Um, Rosalind is joined in the truck by Zarek, who has been in detention for four months, as we briefly discussed. Sharon's raptor jumps into, not, I wrote orbit, but, like, jumps in. Anders' that, team, hmm? Uh, just real, uh, this is, like, a production note that, I guess, uh, and the director's commentary, like, to anybody that's listening to this and goes back and watches it, that entire sequence with the raptors flying over the forest, I guess the entire sequence of the entire scene was CGI. Like it wasn't even like the background is practical. Um, oh, really? 
Yeah, the entire, he said, they had, like all the trees, everything. It was all CGI. Huh. It was pretty, yeah. Because that fooled my eye, you know. But I didn't I was, notice. Yeah. I was just focused on the ships, and then I watched it a few times, and he said that. I was like, wow. Like, I don't know, 2007 at the that point? Pretty yeah. good. Um, Anders' team is waiting by a river, and we get, go Panthers! Seabucks rule! And uh, then they Sharon and Anders hug, which I like. Yeah, that it's a, it was uh I was actually so I was actually watching this episode with someone and I was like they had never seen Battlestar Galactica so I was like I kept stopping to explain <laughs> like di- like certain dynamics so they wouldn't be completely lost but you know when I got to that part I actually was talking about it and I was actually like yeah like I was like yeah those two are actually kind of semi friends and yeah yeah and I really like that like you said i really like that moment and but i also like the little tag he puts on the end when she's like I, it's been a long time since i've seen you and he you know says something to the effect i feel like i see you every day yeah you know? um so they, it puts a little bit of a edge on it because he's like acknowledging oh yeah you still are a cylon to me i'm not over that yet but he, he she also has proven herself to him enough that he can trust her and kind of be happy to see her yeah yeah um, the transport vehicles stop. Cavill gives the order for them to let the prisoners stretch their legs. And I remember watching this originally and being like, this is a trap. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't normally, you don't normally let your prisoners like get out and stretch their legs. Like, this is a <laughs> trap. Yeah. Um. So Zarek and Rosalind are standing together, and he asks her if she tried to steal the election last year, and she's like, well, yeah, I did. <laughs> and he says that he wishes she'd gone through with it, and she's like, mm-hmm, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, Anders and Sharon discuss the, their plan when she hears the sound of a centurion's gun arm activating, and they yell for everyone to take cover as the centurions open fire. And then Jammer cuts Callie's zip tie on her wrist and tells her to run. The Centurions line up on the hill. Rosalind and Zarek start moving back into the crowd. Callie runs and the Centurions open fire on the prisoners and it ends. Now, for no no moment did I think that Rosalind and Zarek were dead. Right. I thought maybe Callie might get caught in this, but I did not think like, oh my god, they're they're gonna shoot Rosalind. I knew there had to be a way of her, at least her, getting out of this. But I also felt that Zarek was a big enough character that he probably wasn't gonna get shot either. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it was. But I it, don't know. Yeah, it was like it is a good like... place to stop. Yeah, it's literally so like standard, I don't know, cliffhangers, like someone shoots a gun and it's black, you know, yeah. like, I don't know, I know something, like, something's gonna happen, whatever, I'm watching Jack Reacher, I see that all the time right now, so, um, yeah, that, that whole sequence, I mean, I talked about it a little bit, I talked about it last episode with, uh, talking about the coup, um, over Allende in Chile, which just gives me so many um imagery of like a, what what we see in this episode is kind of tied to that but this is completely random i used to so i 
you know, I grew up being forced to go to church and they used to, sh- they used to show us these movies that would scare us <laughs> and so, like thinking about like the rapture and all that kind of stuff. There was this movie called uh, a thief in the night and it was basically like at this, uh, at the, you know, within Christian eschatology, it's like, um, you know, you've seen like the, uh, what do you call it? Those, uh, left behind series. It was kind of like, kind of like related to that, but this was like 20, 30 years before that. And it's sort of like the same imagery of them, like grabbing up all these Christians or whatever, and like putting them in trucks and executing them. I was having like PTSD (laughs) kind of watching these sequences here with Rosalind thinking about how I was forced to watch that stuff as a kid. Um, but it's very, uh, you know, uh, this, this is the kind of thing that has happened, um, over time, um, you know, um, with, uh, the, uh, the Jews in Germany, right. Um, and other places where, um, the, this has all happened before. And that's why this scene feels very true, even though it has a you know, it's not real, but it feels very real because this is what we do sometimes as human beings to each other. Um, the research that I found was that this um, was an homage to The Great Escape, mm-hmm. um, especially the later part of it that features a, a survivor escaping in a similar manner to Callie. Mm-hmm. It also said the Battle of the Bulge, which I, I, it was italicized, so I think that was a movie called the Battle of the Bulge. Now, I've read quite a bit about the Battle of the Bulge, but I haven't read anything about them, like, lining up POWs or anything um, at that particular battle. Doesn't mean it didn't happen, but I, you know, thinking back to, like, uh, Band of Brothers... There's a whole scene in the second episode, which takes place on D-Day, where they come across some, uh, not that one. No, it's later. Um, when they when they get into uh, Germany, where they see some officers shooting a bunch of German POWs, uh-huh. German officers that they captured. So yeah, like this kind of stuff happens in war. Yeah. So yeah, this is this is an exciting episode and it's like the it just is ramping and ramping and ramping which i feel like the first four episodes of this season were like really on a steep incline of ramping up it almost feels like a precipice <laughs> um and then it'll sort of even out as we get past episode four but yeah this is all like maybe the most exciting four episodes in the entire series um i mean i don't know i mean i yeah i don't know they're i get different vibes like these i feel like the pegasus episodes i mean they're not four there's three of them but i feel like those are to me are more exciting but and not i i find these episodes highly it's i'm not it's like I, I'm not comparing them. You know what I mean? I'm not yeah. saying like this is this is less because the other one because I feel they're just they're different vibes. They're completely yeah. different. Like you know, so um, I don't know. They're good in different ways. For sure. For Exodus sure. Part Two is gonna blow my mind. Wait till we get to Herbert. 
Um, I want I, uh, just this is completely. I I mentioned I kept saying Allende. I know I said that in the last episode. I, somebody out there is gonna like catch me on it. And I actually met uh, Pinochet. Allende was the president that mm-hmm. got ousted, and so it's very important to say that because he okay. was actually trying to do good things, and CIA got in there and messed things up. So, um, but anyways, Typical. I just want to say, yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding, NSA. I know you're listening. <laughs> um, this episode was nominated for a writing Emmy. A best dramatic episode Emmy. Wow. That's yeah. interesting. Uh, I, I'm always happy to learn when this show got nominated for anything because the awards tend to overlook anything science fiction, which is to their detriment because... So much science fiction is exceptional storytelling. Mm-hmm. So I'm always happy when I see that something sci-fi got some attention from the awards. They never win, though. Yeah, that's, you know, it's it's lessening more and more as we go in time. Yeah. But you're, but... I mean, maybe if Battlestar Galactica came out now, like if this show, this exact show came out now, maybe it would get more attention because times have changed uh ironically it made times change yeah (laughs) it was one of the things that changed how things were but yeah yeah yeah. i mean we can say this show never won any emmys but it did win a peabody award so yeah that's probably more important yeah i actually remember when it did and that that to to me actually is more important and it you know like because I actually do remember, I think it might have been in the first or second season when they realized that they had something. They tried to put it on broadcast, and it just didn't really. I don't think it got enough people watching it. So, it because you know it was it was on Sci-Fi, and it was like this little niche in the corner of the world, um, um, and it didn't really catch on pop culture wise, but um, but still had a very um, fervent uh audience right um and not in like yeah like the one that crossed back like it wasn't just sci-fi fans basically it had a it had an audience that uh, that it i think a show like this doesn't typically have um and they definitely had an impact i remember i don't remember at what point but they they got invited to like the un to talk about something like human rights or something so they definitely like people definitely recognized the importance of this Anyways, yeah, it had a it, the show just it, there was a great it did have a profound impact. It just didn't for whatever reason wasn't it wasn't on like a pop culture wave. And I don't know that even I I kind of feel like if it even came on today it it wouldn't just because even like street because of the way streaming and our audiences are more fractured. Like I don't know that it it made it might have the same impact that it had then in terms of like the audience. Um, but not, I don't know. So you don't think it would be like the last of us or game of Thrones? No, I mean, if so it maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe if it was on HBO, mm-hmm. then yeah. But I mean, it literally was on sci-fi channel. I don't even, the sci-fi channel even exists anymore. Um, but like if, you know, if it was on streaming, I don't know that it would have like, um, strictly like streaming. Like if it was on Netflix, I don't know that it would have the same impact or, Whatever Paramount, but like yeah, HBO maybe. HBO is probably the is the only 
thing that I think come anything comes on where like people will talk about it anymore. Like I can talk about it with people I know that don't watch sci-fi. Like I can talk about The Last of Us with people that don't watch sci-fi or Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But until, like I love until Lost Zaslav and... messes it up. Yeah, that, yeah, there's there's that. Because <laughs> I love Lost, like Lost in Space. The it was on it's on Netflix. It's one of my favorite shows from the last few years. TV, um, and like even like Blue Eye Samurai, like that just dropped on Netflix. Oh, everybody's and like, talking about Blue Eye Samurai. Yeah, but it's like, but it's still like not. I don't know. Like the audience. I don't know how we. This is a completely different conversation, but just the way the audiences like the way audiences connect with content and how they talk about it, I feel is different for some reason than it is when it's on like HBO. And I don't know, it's because more people have HBO. Like everyone was talking about Westworld when it was on, you know? I think it's because HBO has established itself as this like elite prestige place for television shows and almost all of their shows are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have like a, a whole slate of like five nights a week. You've got different television shows. They've got Sunday night. And if they're putting a show on Sunday night, it's worth watching yeah. for the most part. And they spread that out over an entire year. And, you know, there's very little that HBO puts out that isn't really good. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, not everything battle... is going to be for everyone, but yeah. Right. Yeah, so if Battlestar Galactica was on HBO, then I think yes, absolutely. Like today, it would, it would look every like it, it would everybody would be like, oh my god, um, yeah. In in real time, like I think most people are like, oh my god, now. But there are a lot of people that still haven't watched it, you know. And, yeah. Um, you know. Well, it did just have its twenty years, twenty Ooh, year anniversary since. It um since it started and I actually saw a lot of people on like um uh, on the Ringer Facebook page, there were a, a lot of people posting things about, you know, it's been twenty years since Battlestar and I saw I saw a lot of like little conversations about it and I was like, Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it still has still has its core, its fans, so that's yeah. good. It definitely um, is a different fandom, though, like a different sci-fi fandom than other sci-fi shows. Like I, yeah, I, I will say that. Like I said, like it has an it had an audience that was atypical. Like it still was on sci-fi and everything, but there are lots of people that aren't sci-fi fans that you know engage yeah. with it and love it, as opposed to like everybody liking what I don't know random, yeah, science fiction show. All right, was Baltar the worst this week? I'm gonna just case say yes, like he just is. Like even if he, even if he got a gun put to his head. Yeah, you swayed me to that. I I had put actually no, but I changed my mind. He is the worst. Uh, who gets full colors? I couldn't decide. Yeah, I kind of have like a a kind of a dual one. Um, I I probably say Sharon. Okay. Yeah. Who would you throw out the airlock? Uh, it's a so, I mean, like jammer. <laughs> yeah, fucking <laughs> like, jammer. Yeah, jammer. But you know, there's there's actually a part of me that has Ty in that category because suicide bombings are not good. 
you know, like, and I, I get his, you know, his reasoning and sort of like in, in that situation, the practicality of it, but it's one of the more ugly things you can do. Yeah. There's like, not, I, I mean, waging war is just stupid anyway, <laughs> but, um, waging it in this manner is just like, it's not, you know, not good. And I always, I always think about the, you know, there's one of my, I don't, I don't know if I should use the word favorite, but, uh, uh, there's a movie um, in the name of the father with um, Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, it's one of my favorite all time favorite movies. And you know, they I I often think about like the innocent people caught in this bombing in this bar. You know that they don't really, you know, contemplate their lives. <laughs> and you know, they just went out to go get drinks and they got blown up. And it's just, yeah. it's terrible. Like, don't you know. And so, like, we love Ty and everything, but I'm just kind of, like, there's part of me that's kind of like, yeah, he he kind of deserves to, kind of deserves it this episode a little bit. But Jammer, hate you, so. You're, <laughs> 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 you're definitely going to get it. this week's favorite Cylon? Yeah, and so Sha- I think Sharon. Uh, yeah, Like, she sure. was double duty for me Sharon Agathon yeah Sharon Agathon oh yeah I had that in my notes I was like oh they got married in the past year they did yeah there's a question of they got married and she's still in a jail cell but we'll just let it go because I think after this episode she's not incarcerated anymore yeah I mean you know kind of conjugal (laughs) visits and all that (laughs) happens like you know how these serial killers get uh have more oh, dates my. than uh than I have, so I will not suggest that you become a serial killer in order to get dates. Definitely not. Not that desperate. <laughs> uh do we have any reviews? No, we don't, but we did get we did get a one star. Oh. <laughs> and I actually wanted to like say that because uh it would if you're gonna give us a one star, um like Tell us like, why. Act- yeah, tell us why. Like, because I want to know where you might have thought we uh, like dropped the ball or failed, so um, so we can get better or cover that or disregard what you said. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, I seriously like because it, it, it just kind of oh, I I noticed it and I was like oh, I wonder you know what their what their thought was, but it's just uh, you know a rating in the ether. Um, and just, you know, likewise for, um, give, if you give us five stars, um, actually leave a review um, so yeah. we can, um, so we know we're on the right track so that we can be like resonating, talking about the things you want it, that people want to hear, covering things that they want to cover. And then we can maybe cover some new stuff that people have questions about. So, yeah. And we'll read your reviews, good or bad on the air. Most likely. Uh, <clears throat> Where can people find us? You can find me uh, at the Armageddon uh, on Instagram. And you can find me also. I just started an Instagram page for my reviews. Um, another review you didn't ask for. Uh, gotten up to like nine reviews so far. I just did uh, Aquaman, I think was my last review. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. Um, I did Rebel Moon. Um napoleon i did those are my latest ones um and uh first noel chronicles and uh pretty soon we'll be dropping some reviews on uh 
podcasting after dark presents tv obscura uh where we cover some 70s cop shows including um partners in crime that starred uh, uh linda carter and lonnie anderson from wkrp in cincinnati oh my god yeah so was that before wonder woman and wkrp it was after um huh. it, it was it was one of those where they were trying it was like it was a uh, early it was like mid early to mid 80s i think it was 84 and they were you know as after both shows and they were just trying to capitalize on on their profile and wow. i didn't i think it lost the season and then i also i covered a show called hooperman um that starred john ritter from uh oh, three's company john ritter. yeah i know i know i know and he was so good he was so good in the show like he was always good in everything. He was. and But he was playing like a cop. And it was like I was watching. Like I liked the show back in the day, but I, had, I hadn't watched it since it first came on. But, you know, I'd watched it again. I was like, oh, my God, he's so good. Like he, he delivers like this level of empathy that just we miss you, John Ritter. Yeah. You know? Oh, man. I have a quick story. Quick story. I went to a live um, taping of Doug Loves Movies, which is a podcast I like. Mm -hmm. And um, most of the guests were from The Walking Dead. But Jason Ritter was one of the guests because he Mm -hmm. was filming a show here. Mm -hmm. And so after it was over, I actually went up to him and all I could talk about was how much I loved his dad. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm sorry, because I know like you're great. I've seen you in a few things, and you're really great. But I just have to tell you how much I loved your dad. Uh-huh. Like when I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor, and I wanted to be like John Ritter. I just thought he was the epitome of like physical comedy. And so I just told Jason all of this stuff, and he was really grateful. He said that he loves it when people come up and talk to him about his dad because he loved his dad, and he knows how great he was. And, yeah, he was so sweet. My other John Ritter story is that I was on Sunset. I worked at a coffee bean on Sunset, and I was just sitting on the patio one day, and John Ritter walked by. And uh-huh. I just looked at my friend and I was like, oh, my God, that's John Ritter. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And she was like, go talk to him. And I was like, no, I can't. And he died like two weeks later. Oh, oh. <laughs> and I was like, I could, I didn't want to bother him, which we had this conversation last week where I was like, sometimes yeah. you just see people and you don't want to bother him. I didn't want to bother him. Yeah. But I grew up just being like so obsessed with him. I just couldn't. I was like, I can't. I can't. I can't go talk to him. And now I really wish I had. But yeah, it's sad. So it's so I did swamping. get to see him pass by me, and he had a beard, and he looked great. <laughs> so yeah, those are my John Ritter stories. He was That's cool. he's all time fave. Yeah, he's great. He was great. Like you know, this is this is it's a t- podcasting after dark presents TV Obscura. But if you could go <laughs> find. Uh, Hooperman on online. Actually, it's I kind of feel like feel like it holds up uh, for today. Uh, it at least the you know first few episodes we watched uh, to cover. Um, Where did you find them? Um, they were on YouTube. Um, okay. Yeah. So I don't think that they are available on. Um, actually, yeah, there was a whole thing. They're not available on like DVD or anything, but they were you know. Little little bootleggy. Go find them on uh, on uh, YouTube out there on the like, interwebs. I feel like I remember that show being on. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was like late, late 80s. It's yeah. like 87, yeah. And it, it lasted two seasons. It didn't okay. like, do too well. And it was actually created by uh, Stephen Bochco. So oh. it was, a, yeah, it was a part of some deal he had signed uh, as a, in that slew of shows. And um, out of that, he also made uh, Doogie Hauser, I think. So, <laughs> you I know. Bochco did Doogie Hauser. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, you can find me at on Instagram at o underscore hey underscore Jamie. Uh, you can find the podcast Instagram is Galactic Actually, and you can email us at Galactic Actually Podcast at gmail dot com. We do have a Twitter Galactually Pod, but I always forget to update anything on Twitter because I really try not to use it anymore. <laughs> um. And next week we will be discussing Exodus Part One. Any pre thoughts? I I don't even remember <laughs> what I don't even remember what happens in Part One. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking this like I was watching we'll this episode. <laughs> yeah, I was watching this this what precipice, and I was like, damn, like I don't like, what even happens. I just the only thing I remember <laughs> is like the getting the keys or whatever, and that's it. I just remember like I just remember Part Part Two. Yeah. Part two is amazing and I can't wait to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, ah, I can't wait. Oh my God. So good. All right. Well, until then, what do you hear? Nothing but the rain. Bye. See ya. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.